Good morning. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. My name's Adam. This week and next week, I want to look at a subject. It's the subject of change. And I know that just saying that word has a powerful effect on different people. The title, the strapline that I'm using is something that I don't actually like that much, but, but I think there's value in it. I'm going with this title, Change is Here to Stay. Change is Here to Stay. Something in me goes, oh, I don't know if I like that. And there's another part of me thinks, oh, I really like that. And even talking about the idea of change splits the crowd. There are some people that love the idea of arriving home to a house and the lights are off and suddenly they turn the light on and lots of people jump out and surprise them. There's some people that love that kind of party. There are other people that loathe that idea and are probably now looking at their husband, wife, friend and saying, never throw that kind of party for me. Change moves us in different directions, but we can't dodge it. As I was driving here this morning, there was frost on the ground and there's very few leaves left on the trees. And we see in nature that change is always happening. And if, like me, you found a really nice beach in the summer and you don't want that period to end, it has ended. And you could go and sit on the beach. You could put your swimming clothes on and lay down on a towel and try and do what you were doing before, but it doesn't work in this season like it did because change has happened and something's moved on. And what do we do with that? I want to look at that subject today. Let me start with a story from where I come from. The city of London, the capital city of England, is a busy city. Most people don't drive in the city. Most people use the train. And you get the train into the city of London, and then there's the underground, the tube, or the subway, I believe, as, as you know these means of transport to be. I want to tell you a story and show you a picture. This picture on the screen is Waterloo Station. This is one of the major hubs in London. And as you can see, lots of lines go in and then they split and there's multiple options. It's a big hub station and about 100,000 people each year it may even be more than that. I wrote this down. No, 100 million people per year go through Waterloo Station. 100 million. Okay, you can take the picture back. Now, you're on the train, and this is what happens. The train is going in to the station where it's going to end, and you have to get off. And there's an announcement that comes over on the train speaker system, and it says this. It says, all change. We're now arriving at Waterloo Station. All change. What that means is everyone has to get off and you have to move and you have to change to your next means of transport. For some people, they get off and they walk to where they're going. For other people, they get off and have to find the next train to board. It's probably one of the undergrounds. There's 100 million people a year going through this station. There's people everywhere. It's crowded. And then there is this moment where the speaker system says, all change. And it doesn't matter how comfortable your seat was, if you were fortunate enough to, to get a seat on the train. doesn't matter how much you like being on that train, you've got to get off it. Because all people have to change at this point. And you can see on the faces of those who, who live and work in London, they're used to this. 
business as usual, off they go. But you can also see the dread and the fear and the concern and the anxiety of the tourist who looks at a map or their phone whilst there's hundreds of people around them and they don't know where to go next. The idea of all change for those people can be quite scary, but you're forced to deal with it. Change is part of life. It's inevitable, but it can help us. If we aren't open to change, then we do not see the bigger picture. If we aren't open to change, we do not see the wider world around us. An example, my grandfather never flew. He said if God intended us to fly, he would have given us wings. My father flew for the first time when he was in his 30s. I flew for the first time when I was 13. My daughters flew for the first time at six weeks and eight weeks. Being open to change enables us to see the world around us. Being close to change gives us a restrictive view of things. But too much change is not good for you. Too much change can feel like you're at an amusement park and you're on one of these rides that spins around and round and round and you get off it and you just feel dizzy and disorientated. Too much change is not good for you. The right level is what we need because, as I've said, change is inevitable. A very clever person, the Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard said, "Life." can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Let me say that again. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. So often when we look over our shoulder, we understand the bigger picture and how we we grew and developed. But yet we have to live with the uncertainty of what's ahead. So how do we do that? How do we navigate change well? I want to look at this subject over the next two weeks. This week, it's going to be quite teachy. We're going to really dig deep into some scriptures and look at what's God saying. How does God help us? What can we learn and how do we need to engage with this? And then next week, I'm going to be looking at it in some practical terms, in terms of the context for us as a local church, some of the decisions that we're making and how we're going to navigate change. So it's going to be two parts this week quite teaching next week, quite practical. What does it look like for us as a church? I believe, in fact, I am convinced that God wants to help us to navigate change in life. This is a year where we've had so much change. A saying that I've heard a number of times, which I believe to be true, is in 2020, agility wins. And we know that to be true. For businesses or industries that have no agility or refuse to change, they are in trouble. For people, organizations, individuals, and churches who are open to the idea of change, we can navigate 2020 quite well, and we can get to the other side. So what does God say? What does Scripture tell us? What can we learn, and how do we engage? Aware that Scripture isn't just a manual But it points to God, it points to Jesus, it points to the Holy Spirit. And it invites us to participate with the persons of God. And by doing so, we live well in a world where change is going to happen. So we're going to look at this. And there are some themes that I believe are key 
for the people watching that like to write notes, that like to remember some things, these are some of the keys that I believe are essential in how do we navigate change well. The first one is trust. We have to trust. And trust means I am not always in control. Now, for those of us who have chosen to put their trust in Jesus, that gives us some hope and some confidence. If you've not done that, I want to encourage you today to do that. Put your trust in Jesus. But trust means I am not in control. To be effective in change, we need to be open. We can't be closed. We need to be open to maybe there's a new way. Maybe there's another way. Maybe there's someone else who's seen something that I haven't seen and I can learn from them. That's why church is community and it's people and we need each other. To be effective in change, we need to be open. And then thirdly, we need to be obedient to God. We need to be willing not just to trust him or to be open to the idea, but we need to strap some boots onto this idea. We need to be obedient. And sometimes that means going in a direction where we don't entirely know how it's going to work out or what it's going to look like until we get there. I believe that the story of God is a story that invites us to participate Yes, we need to put our trust in him. Yes, we need to be open with our minds and our hearts. But we need to engage and participate. And that means to be obedient. So we're going to look at four stories in the scriptures, stories of change. And there are these reoccurring themes of trust and being open and being obedient. And we're going to look at these stories through the illustration, the person of Moses in the Old Testament. Moses is this epic character. He is someone who is unqualified, unconvinced, but yet open to God in a way that changes him from how we meet him at the beginning of the story of Moses to how he ends. Incredible character. Great, great example. And we meet him and he's a shepherd. And a shepherd, often in Bible times, had what they called a staff or a crook. What basically to us looks like a stick. And we meet him and he's doing his normal day, his normal routine. And he has this experience with God that changes him. And I deliberately use the word experience because for me, it's the experience where we meet God that changes us. It's never about having a religious conviction. It's always about having a personal encounter that changes us. And Moses has this personal encounter, and he's out on the fields with his stick looking after sheep. And God says to him, Moses, what's in your hand? And the answer is, well, it's my staff, which is a very ordinary question and a very ordinary answer. He's a shepherd. He carries one of these. They used one of these to lead the sheep. If a predator came, they would sometimes use it as a weapon to defend the sheep. And if they were tired or on rough terrain, they would lean against it. So it was a good tool. It was a good resource. But God asks him, what's in your hand? Because he's going to use what's in your hand. But, and I use this as an illustration for a purpose, as we learn, to be effective in change isn't based on the resources of what we have in our hand. Sure, they help us, they enable us, and they often do 
help us to be more effective. But as we see in these stories of change, God is looking at the hand that holds them, not the resource themselves. This stick is going to appear in these four stories, which is why I'm introducing you to the idea of this idea. But it's the hand that holds them that enables us to be effective in change. So what do we do with this? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Exodus. We're going to look at four stories with reoccurring themes. First one, Exodus 7, verse 19 to 21. says this, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Take your staff, remember the stick, and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and the canals, over the ponds and over all the reservoirs. They were turned to blood. Blood would be everywhere in Egypt, even in vessels and wood and stone. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile, and all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died, and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink the water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. What a remarkable, if not ever so slightly strange story. This story is found in the beginning story of the Exodus, where God is leading people out there withheld, they're refrained, they're stuck, and they're being persecuted and treated badly in Egypt. And God is wanting to liberate them and want to free them. And God's using Moses, Moses the shepherd, who's just got this stick in his hand, but God uses it, uses what's in his hand because of the faithfulness of the hand that holds him. He says, go, use it, proclaim this, I'm going to do this miracle. What do we see in this story? Pharaoh didn't trust God. He didn't believe in God. He did not put his trust in God. Moses was open. This is a really random idea. God says, take the stick, the staff, and hold it and hit the river, and I'm going to change it. This is a really weird idea, but Moses is open. So he obeys. He's obedient. He is obedient. If you look in these ancient texts, the people of Egypt believe that the Nile River was sacred. It was special. They saw it as this source, this river that gave them running water. They were dependent on it. They honored it. Sometimes they talked about it like they would talk about a god. And God is saying, I am more powerful than this god. I am more superior Moses quotes this line, so that you may know there is no God greater. You're dependent on this river that you see as a God because it gives you running water. But there is another God who is more powerful. This is an interesting idea that we see in this ancient text. Way later on, Jesus says, I can give you running water. I can give you streams of living water. And this is this display so those ideas of trust and being open, being obedient, Pharaoh doesn't trust. Moses is open to a 
really unusual idea. And Moses is obedient and God displays his power. Next story of change. Exodus 14 verse 16. We read this. Short passage. Key passage in the crossing of the Red Sea. God says this. Raise your staff. And stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites, the people of God, can go through the sea on dry land. Another strange event. God is liberating his people and leading them. and They get to the sea and they can't cross. It's about eight miles across. And God says to Moses, hey, use your staff again. Here we go. It's a really unusual idea. The people are complaining. The people that Moses is leading are complaining. Their murmuring gets louder and they complain and they say to Moses, why have you done this? Why did you bring us up out of where we were into a place where we're probably going to die? And Moses trusts God. The people don't trust God at this moment, but Moses trusts God. He is open to an unusual idea. God speaks to him and he's again open to this idea. And he's obedient. He's obedient. So he does what God has said. And God brings about a remarkable moment of change. It's another story of change where there's trust and there's openness and there's obedience. And God brings about a change that no one expected. The miracle which is an incredible miracle, is proof of God's presence with his people. And in many ways, this is more powerful and more important than the actual miracle itself. In this moment, God intervenes and shows that he is present with his people. He's not absent. He's present. The personal presence of God is with his people. And that points to an incredible miracle. Next story of change, still in Exodus. Exodus 17, verse 1 to 7. Again, Moses' stick, his star features in this story. Exodus 17 says this. Then the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the law to the test? But the people were thirsty for water and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt and make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff. Which you struck the Nile. Remember that two passages ago. And I will go and stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the people. 
Another strange story. The people are complaining again. They're murmuring again. They're blaming people again. In this instance, Moses. They're doubting God again. They are not trusting. They're in a situation where they need a change. They want to be in a story of change, but they're not trusting. Moses prays to God which is such a good idea when you don't know what to do, when you find yourself in unusual situations and circumstances. Moses prays to God because Moses trusts God. In a moment of change, when you need change, we need trust. Moses trusts God. And he's open to God. And God speaks to him. And it's another remarkably unusual request. And God says this, Take the people with you and go. I will go ahead of you and I will stand by the rock. And he says, take your stick, your staff and strike the rock and water will come out. We look at this miracle and we see again the obedience of Moses who trusts God, who is open and who is obedient. And he does exactly what God says. And he strikes the rock with his stick and water comes out. But there's something in this text that's subtle, but yet so powerfully precious. And this we need to see. God says this, take the people with you and go to the rock. I will go ahead of you and I will stand there. Again, God is present. The personal presence of God goes before. And God says, bring the people with you. I want to be present with the people. I want to be there and I want them to be where I am. And he says, and I will stand by the rock. God stands with us in uncertainty. God stands with us in moments of change. God stands with us when we don't know what to do. And at times like these people, we may feel like our life is ebbing away. And God stands with us in these situations. His presence is with his people. There's trust, there's openness, and there's obedience. Last story. Numbers 4, we're jumping forward, two book, couple of books, a few pages in the Bible. Numbers 20, it's another story that sounds very familiar. It again includes Moses, and again includes the staff, the stick that Moses carries. Numbers 20, verse 1 to 13. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin. And they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam, that's Moses' sister, died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Sounds familiar, right? They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died with our brothers when they fell dead. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness so that we and our livestock should die here. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt, up to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. This sounds very familiar. 
Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of the meeting and fell face down to pray. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff. Again, very familiar. Take the staff and you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Again, bring the people together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community began to drink. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, the people of God. You will not bring this community into the land I gave them. These were the waters of Mirabah where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. It's a similar story, but it ends differently. Let's look at this. The people complained. They doubted. They did not trust. Again. Moses began well. He went to God and he prayed. Moses knew that that was the right place to begin. He knew that. He had experience of this. We keep reading very similar stories where God intervenes. There's a moment of change that's required, and God often brings about that moment of change that the people need. It feels familiar, and it starts well. But Moses was not open to the idea that God was going to do it slightly differently. This story sounds almost the same as the previous story. People need water. There's a rock. Moses has got his stick. In the previous story, God said, go and use the sticks, stand there. I'm going to stand there, hit the rock. In this moment, it's slightly differently. It's slightly different. God wants to do something different among his people. Moses makes the assumption that God is going to do in this moment what he's done before in the way he's always done it. That's a fair assumption. He's got evidence and experience of that moment. But he isn't open to the idea that maybe God wants to do something in this day that's different to what he has done in the past. Moses makes a mistake, makes an assumption. Moses was not obedient. There is this moment where Moses said, in his annoyance with the people, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Moses makes the error of assuming that he can make it happen. He is in, or we as in Moses and Aaron, the leaders of the people. He makes the assumption that he's going to make it happen. And sometimes when there's change moments, we make the assumption that we have to do it. It's on our shoulders. It's our efforts. It's our abilities. I'm going to make this happen. That's a mistake. 
It's a mistake that Moses made, and it's a mistake that we often make. We can make it happen. We can't make it happen. Moses can't make it happen. But he assumes that he has to do this, and it's on his shoulders. And then he rebukes God's people. God says, bring them together, bring them in. God wants to be present with his people. That's always his desire and intention. And Moses gets annoyed and angry and he rebukes God's people. Sadly, so often I find people who love Jesus speaking ill of other people who love Jesus. We, we rebuke God's people. God's never impressed with that. That is not God's desire. Moses missed it in this moment. And it's tragically sad. Now, Moses is human. He's good and he's bad. And none of us are perfect, nor is Moses in this moment. But he missed out. They needed a moment of change. God in his goodness did give them water. But Moses missed it. So what do we learn from these four stories? What do we see? What are the reoccurring themes that I believe that you and I need to apply in our life? And we have to apply it, especially in moments of change. What do we see in these ancient stories that you need to apply today? I've made these comments a few times. We have to trust. We have to trust that we aren't always in control. We don't always know the best answer. We have to trust. And ultimately, we have to trust God. We have to trust his leading. We have to trust Jesus. We have to trust the personal presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't know all the answers. It has to begin with trust. Secondly, we have to be open. These unusual stories and we've got changing something in incredible ways. But they're so unusual, they only actually worked because somebody trusted God and was open to God doing something really, really quite weird, but yet incredible. We have to be open. We can't be closed. We can't assume that the way it was before is going to be the way it will be in the future. We have to be open to new possibilities. And then thirdly, we have to be obedient. We can't just believe this in our head. This has to change our hearts and this has to change our actions. We have to be obedient. The reoccurring prop in the stories of this stick, the staff, Remind us that it isn't about the resource, but it is about the hand that holds it. How do we hold ourselves in these moments of change where we have to trust, be open, and be obedient? In these stories, we see people who frequently don't trust, aren't open, and aren't obedient. Instead, they find themselves speaking ill of people and not trusting God. This is a hard question, but I'm going to ask it. Where do you find yourself in moments of change? Do you find yourself at times, I don't know, not getting it, not believing in people, actually blaming people, criticizing people, and doubting the presence of God? If you do that, I want to encourage you. To acknowledge that and say, Father God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please help me to change. 
Moses is a fine example, but his error was based on the idea that God's going to do today what he did yesterday. Now, he had evidence for that. He had great examples from lived experience for that. And this past was great. God isn't throwing away the past, but he's saying, I need you to be open that I might want to do something different today. For us as a church, and I'm going to explore this in more detail next week, what we do next is going to look different to what we have done before. We have to be open to that. And we have to be obedient as God leads us. But I want to remind you, as we seek to navigate change and ask God, help us. Yes, we need to learn the lessons of trust and being open and being obedient. But our ultimate hope, our confidence, and it's not in the resource, it's not in a stick that's in our hand, and it's not even in our past story. But our ultimate confidence is God is present. He is not somewhere else. He is personally present in all of these stories. The first story where Moses is in front of Pharaoh and there's this tough tension between the two. God is present. In the crossing of the Red Sea, God is present. In the standing before the rock, God is saying, I will be there. And I want the people to be there too. That's always God's heart, that he will be present with his people. And then in this last story, again, bring the people. I want them to be present because I'm going to be present. I believe that our faith and our hope and our confidence in God isn't because of a belief system that we hold, but it's because God is present with us. Personally present. The person of God, the person of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit is with us. So what could that look like? What could that look like in your life? May I encourage you to imagine what it might look like when you trust, when you're open and when you're obedient. The possibilities are endless. For us as a church, as we navigate change that we can't always control, 2020 has reminded us that. If we trust him, if we're open and if we're obedient, the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are good. We have a great future and it starts today. The possibilities are endless when we trust and when we're open and when we're obedient. So may I encourage you today to trust. May I encourage you to be open. May I encourage you to be obedient. And may I encourage you to be present where God is. When in the second of the two Exodus passages, God says, I want the people to come to me. God always gives people an option. He always gives them a choice. My guess is some of the people say yes. And they come to that moment and they enjoy the miracle of change that God brings that intervention moment. But there's probably some people in the camp who said, no, I don't want to come. Moses and the other people can do it. I'm going to hang back. May I encourage you today, don't hang back. Don't linger at the back. Be present. Come forward. Be involved. Turn up. Encourage others. 
At times you may not understand what's happening. I don't always understand what's happening. But trust God. Be open. Be obedient. Let's pray. Father, help us to trust you in change. Help us to be open to you in change. Help us to be obedient to you in change. And help us to be present as you are present. Lord, lead us in your ways, I pray, and help us to walk in them in this day. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you've got any questions or comments, if you're watching online, feel free to write something in the Facebook chat and we'll come back to you. If you'd like prayer, if you'd like someone to talk to, email us. Email prayer at sscma.com and we'll respond to you this week. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week and we look forward to seeing you next time.